I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hello, hello, hello. It is me, Sarah Century of the Bitches on Comics podcast, which I'm guessing you probably knew if you hit play. I am playing solo today. Normally there are other hosts and this is one of the times where the child got left in charge and I couldn't be happier because I can't think of a better guest to have whenever I am flying solo on this pod. Uh, I would like to introduce my guest for today, Taki Soma. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yes. So you were here for a very specific reason, which is that you just put out a comic. But where would where would people know you from? Um, I would say the most recent stuff that I've done that people know me from is probably um, uh, Murder, Inc. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a colorist on that. And it's it was uh, co-created by Brian Michael Bendis and um, my husband, Michael Levon Oming. Um, yeah, and that's a series that's kind of ongoing, and now it's at Dark Horse, and the next storyline is about to drop, so keep an eye out for it. Yeah, I was going to say that, well, we are here to talk about your comic, um, let me make sure that I don't botch this title, because it's such a good one, 
but there's like a hinge word that I always say wrong. So it's sleeping while standing, correct? Correct. Okay, great. <laughs> I was like, I've read it like front to back like three times. And for oh. some reason, while is like a word for me. I, never mind. This is not important. But we got <laughs> while it. is a so, weird word. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one where you're just like sleeping. Yeah, it has to be while. So yeah. sleeping while standing. And this book is by uh, Avery Publishing, correct? Yes. Avery, Avery Hill. Um, yeah. Avery Hill, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, there's an Aver- There's a Penguin Random House that does, like, cookbooks. So don't go there. Go to <laughs> Avery Hill. And, yeah, so this comic is great. It's uh, autobiography. And there is, you just mentioned Brian Michael Bendis and also your spouse. And they both write forwards for this comic. So I wanted to talk about that just off the top because those forwards are really just very touching. And you can kind of get this sense of, you know, these are people who have definitely worked together and, you know, have like a ongoing friendship, I'm guessing. Yes. Like, you know, it's like this kind of good vibes kind of opening to this book where you're talking about a lot of trauma. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Like, sure. how, how do you think that the forwards, was there something about those that you just felt was like very important to the telling of the story? I, I would, uh, well, first of all, I had to pay them a lot of money um so that was that um but outside of it you know it was they both made me cry um yeah <laughs> you know uh they they were uh incredibly supportive throughout the whole process and um so they know they know all the stories like pretty intimately um because i shared uh each and every single chapter with them like um as they they're being finished and we would talk about them at length so they had like a front front row seat to the whole thing pretty much and they they just were my cheerleaders yeah you get the vibe like that's how they read it just is so touching kind of to open up on this like you know, whenever you first open it up, like I had no idea what I'm getting into, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of, I started with these forwards and was like, oh, I'm already crying. How fun. <laughs> like, in a pleasant way, right? In um, a pleasant way. Yeah. yeah. It's just like uh, crying because, it, yeah, these people are incredibly just um, supportive, wonderful people. I want to talk about how you do kind of multidisciplinary work because you said that you were working on coloring. Mm-hmm. This you do everything for, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I did the writing, the art, coloring, and even lettering, which was a first time for me, lettering. Yeah. Did it, I'm guessing, take forever? <laughs> like a yeah. Long, long time? You know, I'm already a very slow artist to, to start with. So it, it took a while. But, you know, this this is definitely a project that, like, I don't think anyone else should do it. It hmm, should mm-hmm. be me um, just because it's just my stories and I know it inside and out. So, yeah, I, I went yeah. there. <laughs> I was thinking about that because it does delve so deeply into stuff. And I was like, yeah, I wonder how, you know, it would be hard, I think, even to pass, like, the lettering on to somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Like. It's just like, no, I, I know how this needs to look. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I do and I don't. Like I, you know, the 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 artistry behind lettering is 
completely lost on me. You know, I'm <laughs> just, I'm like, well, this reads well, you know, like, you know, what's going on. And uh, like, that's good enough for me. You know, I, and I, I think, you know, there's art to it that other letters um, definitely have it down. And I do not. Um, mm-hmm. But it was an incredibly um, uh, learning experience for sure. And I, 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 I feel really confident that like the next time I have to tackle lettering, um, I'll do it better. <laughs> well, I think that this one too, it kind of demands to be a little bit on the straightforward side, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, where are you going to fit, you know, big sound effects in this <laughs> or like, you know, there's tricks that we see letters doing. I've, I've seen a ton of letters doing just like wild tricks with the, their work where you're just like, oh, like a street is talking like this is weird, you know, like or, you know, you see all kinds of different ways that people can approach things. But then it's like something like this is like I said, it almost demands just to be straightforward. It's like it demands kind of to keep it simple, I think, whenever it comes to the lettering. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely as simple as they get. But uh, yeah, like I said, I, I learned so much from it. Um you know, I, I did a webcomic like 15 years ago, 16 years ago, something like that. Um, and I didn't know what I was doing, but, uh, I, I, I wrote it and I drew it and I even lettered it, put it up on the internet and a letterer emailed me and he's like, Oh my God, really like this, but oh, it's, it's <laughs> the lettering is terrible. Can I help you? Like you can do everything, but just let me handle lettering. I, I think I can help you. And so, you know, he helped me uh, through the whole uh, process. So I didn't really learn how to letter back then. So, And that's interesting, too, because you kind of come back to it. Yeah. Uh, was it basically just like the, the subject that you were dealing with that made you want to be like, all right, I'm going to actually do the lettering this time? Yeah, you know, it's, it's so intimate and everything was so for me. Um, when I first started working on it, in fact, I, I, I didn't think it was going to be a published work. I did it just for me. So, um, you know, I, I didn't, I was like, well, I'll just letter it myself because, <laughs> right. you know, why not? It's not for the public. So kind of just started from there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I really like the idea that it's my autobiography and I did everything on it. Um, and that just, I don't know. I, I think that I couldn't think of another better way, at least, you know, uh, can somebody else like handle the art better or lettering better? Yes, I think yes, <laughs> but the, I think this was the only way to be, to do a autobiography. Yeah, that's that's very interesting, I think, because it is sort of um, at a certain point, it's like, well, I'll I'll speak for myself. I'll make something. And then I'm just like, okay, I see every single flaw. Like I see everything that I don't like. Right. Mm -hmm. But other people aren't seeing it like that. Like most people are not purchasing a book, opening it up and being like, where are the flaws? <laughs> you know, and well, they're not, some they're people not, probably are, but some no. people probably are. <laughs> they still had to buy the book. So it's fine. But sure. um, yeah, it's just kind of like them. To me, it's like one of those things where it's like, I'm seeing it in this way that is just um, 
of course you're going to be your own harshest critic or something, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like there's something kind of gratifying about being your own harshest critic too because that means that at a certain point you really are just kind of like, hey, flaws and all, like this is me. This is like what I did, you know? And I was wondering, did you feel that way about this as well? Well, pretty much, yeah. You know, I immediately caught like, um, I think like a misspelling a couple of times yeah. and stuff in like that's the first thing that caught my eye and I'm like yeah but <laughs> you know flaws and all like I mean I'm all, I'm only one one person and you know it's fine <laughs> yeah nobody is like I said I don't think anybody is like wow you misspelled this word right <laughs> like I as the reader did not notice I can tell you so, um, yeah, it's always interesting what you choose to focus on. It was the same. I just had a book come out and it was literally like, congratulations. There's, thank you. And congratulations <laughs> to you. Like Aww. this book is beautiful. Thank and you. I'm so glad it was sent over to me um, by Jesse Post, who actually has sent me a great number of some of our very best interviews. So I'm so glad that that was sent to me because I don't think I had seen it. Like I, it was like a little bit after he had sent it, I saw like a little bit of buzz about it on uh, Twitter and was like, okay, now it's, now it's in my head. Right. But Mm -hmm. at that time I hadn't, I believe it was like right before the release. I'm not a hundred percent what the timeline was, but I was definitely just like oh what is this and then you like jump into it and you're like this is great like I'm so glad that this was sent over and kind of like uh resonant like in ways that I truly as I say you never know what to get when you open up a comic because people like really want comics to be just one thing and comics have never been just one thing right no definitely not I'd love to talk to you about that a little bit because I do think that this is such a unique work And it's interesting because, of course, there's such a strong history. I'll talk a little bit. We can talk a little bit more about, like, you know, autobio and memoir and comics coming up. But I wanted to kind of start it out by saying, you know, with with comics, there are so many different kinds. And how how did you kind of get involved in comics? Like, what was the you know, the moments that you were like, actually, this has to be a comic. Like, do you you work in other mediums? Like, you know, Um. Well, I first was interested in comics as a reader um, in my like mid twenties, um, and uh, at the time, I I just like I was like, oh, this this you know Daredevil and Batman's pretty cool and whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I started cool. reading all of these things, and I became pretty obsessive. And at the time, I was uh, working at a ad agency, going to um, ad school to become an uh, art director. And uh, while I was uh, going to school, he's like, you know, you constantly talk about comics to the point where I don't think you belong here. And <laughs> like, like, I think, I think you want to do comics, don't you? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I really do. I, I, I do. I, yep. And then I just, <laughs> I just left. I left school. I, I dropped, I think I dropped out the next day. <laughs> And um, like, oh, it's comics now, actually. Um, bye. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I was like, I wasn't sure, like, if I could even support myself on comics. I didn't know any comic artists or writers or anything. I didn't know anybody in comics. So I'm like, well, maybe they're just like dirt poor. And like, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know anything. But I was like, you know, it doesn't matter. I, I do love comics. 
And I do want to make them. I don't want to just read them. I want to make them too. And uh, so I think I was like 27, 28, maybe. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to make comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have had pivots in my life too, where you're just like, you know what? Actually, that's not totally working for me anymore, I guess. Like, yeah, I used to play music a lot. Now I play it as like a hobby, I guess. But mm -hmm. there was, it was like my main thing for the longest time through my twenties. And then, yeah, I got into writing basically just because I was like, um, everybody says I'm like good at talking. So I guess I'd better try to do some writing. And it actually paid like a little bit better than music because music truly does not pay. Like shout out to all musicians in the world because y'all are having a rough pandemic and like uh. it has been real hard, real hard for you all. Like it's been hard, I believe, for everybody in the arts, but it has been real hard for musicians. Yeah. Um. I was going to talk about that a little bit, actually, because uh, your husband mentions um, difficulty with freelancing, even in the forward, which I thought was very interesting. I am a freelancer as well, and I'm always having difficulty <laughs> with, like, <laughs> late payments, like, you have to do so much invoicing, and, you know, whenever there's other things on top of that, for instance, like chronic illness, or you have a sick pet, or something along those lines, it can be really frustrating, and so I just thought it was, it was really cool, kind of, to lead with that in a way that was, like, it appears throughout the work where it's like things aren't always easy, obviously, like, on a financial level, and for artists, for the most part, like, I, uh, You'll see artists that are so much more like famous than you that are really struggling and you're just like, oh, no, yeah. like that's the worst. Like that person's like to me, like, you know, that's where I'm hoping my career gets to. And then like they get sick or something and it's just like, you know, catastrophic. Yeah. So I've been thinking about that stuff, like Linda Berry or something, right, where she's like, I had to start teaching because like otherwise <laughs> I was like not making any money. It was very scary, you know. Yeah, uh, you think about stuff like that and you're just like Linda Berry, like <laughs> Linda Berry was on like the David Letterman show in the 80s. Like how is how is that creator of all creators struggling? Um, but yeah, I just I guess I wanted to talk about that because that that kind of dealing with the struggle of being an artist is kind of laced through everything, even though it's not necessarily something where you're like, listen, it's real hard to be an artist. Like that doesn't, it's not like that. It's kind of like a subtle touch to it, I guess, is, is that there's something really wonderful about being an artist and then also something that's really hard about it. So I was going to just see if you had anything to say about that. Yeah. Well, you know, there's always pros and cons to being a freelancer, being an artist. Um, you know, uh, my husband and I, uh, Mike and I, uh, we're both freelancers. We work from home. So our time is pretty fluid. You know, we, we, we get up when we want to. Um, you know, we work, um, as much or as little as we want to throughout the day, um, at whatever time we choose, you know, so like we have a lot of freedom and we, and we also love what we do. So there's a lot of pros. Um, in this category, um, <laughs> and the cons are, you know, of course, like, you know, it's, you're always hustling. You always have to look for, for the next thing, um, while you're working on an, a project, you're like, okay, well, this is going to last me for this, this long. And, um, after that, I, I'll have to make sure there's another project lined up. So, you know, still a hustle while you're working. So that part is, that part is the hard part, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and, but 
at the same time, you know, I look at like nine to five jobs that, um, you know, have insurance and like, you know, 401k and stuff like that. Um, like, but you, you know, if you get sick or if something catastrophic happens, you're still, you know, in mm-hmm. a bad place, even if you have a steady job. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is there's really no stability, I think. It's like the way that our society is kind of set up is is that like, oh, well, if you're not working, then what good are you kind of? So it's like, I think that that's true whether you're a freelancer or not, as you say. Mm-hmm. So when I think about that, it, it does make being a freelancer feel better mm-hmm. and less scary. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah. well, you know... I mean, okay, I don't have 401k, but I can set up my own of what's called a SEP IRA. So mm-hmm. that's what we have, which is an equivalent of 401k um, for freelancers. So, you know, there's a, there's a workaround. Yeah. And people who work at like Google and Amazon are getting laid off by like the thousands right now. So it's also just one of those things where you're like, well, (laughs) yeah, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of safety in the way that we have things structured. And that's kind of the bigger issue is not necessarily like, oh, freelancing is a problem. It's like, well, there's like no stability in the job market. Mm -hmm. So that's actually kind of (laughs) the biggest problem. And housing is such an issue and like all of that. Right. So it's more... To me, it's more these like societal, like kind of broader issues. And that's, I mean, it's not like it makes you feel better. It's definitely one of those things where you're just like, well, what else am I going to do? Right? <laughs> it's like, and then you think I, being in a nine to five would like break me as a person, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's kind yeah. Of I, I, yeah, I, I, I would not want to go back to it. You know, Ugh. no, no, no. <laughs> No, no. No, thank you. And I've never done it. Like, I was working restaurants and stuff like that. So it's kind of like there is no going back in a way because I was just never doing that. (laughs) I was not not interested. Um, Yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit, too, because you're talking about, you know, reading comics in your mid-20s. So I'm sure you're very aware, then, that there is, like, this big, huge history of, you know, autobiographical comics, And so many of them in this world, right? And I was reading an interview with you where you were just kind of like, I'm sure that some things influenced me while I was making this, but I don't really know what, you know, like, I can't think of anything offhand. And I was wondering, though, was there an awareness, I guess, like, were you kind of thinking about, like, the other memoirs that you had read or, like, the other autobiocomics that you had read uh, while you were working on this at all? I, I, you know, I, the the answer is the same. I didn't have anything in particular uh, in mind to like um, have to uh, for inspiration or to emulate or anything like that or um, whatever. And that's not to say that I didn't have any influence. I'm sure everything I read um, influences me one way or another, (laughs) you know, while I'm creating, but uh, like consciously I didn't, I didn't have anything, uh, you know, uh, in mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I was just kind of following my gut, gut feeling, just my instincts. Like I, I, I just wanted to make these in the beginning. Like it was definitely just for me. And I like, well, I, I just wanted to make them. I I needed to make them. Um, The first story that I uh, made in that book is, is the one called Box. And it's a, it's a, it's about a dream that I had uh, with my dad in it. And mm-hmm. I just, I knew I really wanted to capture and remember that dream 
best way I could, I could possibly uh, hold on to because it's about my dad who's already passed and, you know, I can't have him in my life anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, uh, I love comics. Comics is a language I really, really understand. So I'm just going to make a, 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 a comic about it. And that way I can really, really remember this and like really, you know, recreate it and it'll it'll be here for me and that's how it kind of started so Mm -hmm. I wasn't particularly thinking about other autobio because of how I started um right this book yeah and the box is a little bit later in the book is that correct if if it's the one I'm thinking uh, of yeah I think it's like toward the middle Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah maybe like the fifth story actually Right. I was I was going to talk about how the because I believe they you stick to like a four page format right through this like you're kind of doing these like segments uh, pretty brief little segments. Yeah. So four pages or less. Exactly. So I want to talk about this because the four pages or less. Why was that number specific? Why was that important? And then. You know, I mean, it, to me, it really does. Uh, well, I'll say this part after <laughs> after I hear what you say. But I want to he- hear just a little bit about that. Like, why did you choose the four page setup? Um, it was basically because box, the first one I did was four pages. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking after I was done with the four pages, I was like, oh, my God, it was really good. Like, it's such a sad story for me. But it's something I really, really needed to do for myself. And I, you know, I got something really good out of it, even though it was traumatic at the same time. Um, and so when I started thinking about other stories I wanted to do, I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to challenge myself to tell these stories for, in four pages or less, because when you're working on a comic page, when you're writing it, it's not so bad. But if you're drawing it too, you live that experience so deeply for so long, especially if you're me, because I'm a slow artist, Um, (laughs) that you live there so long that, you know, it's, um, it's all, you're consumed by it, right? So I'm like, well, if I'm going to touch on all these like traumas and just, even if it's not a trauma, just, you know, my memories, um, I think I can handle it in four pages or less. Any any more, I I might, you know, it might be too much. Sure, yeah. It's like uh you don't want to like linger on it too long. Like let's talk about it, but like <laughs> yeah. let's let's get it out of here and then, you know, like keep it booking along. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I thought it was very interesting and I liked it a lot. I liked how that read because there is kind of this disjointed nature to memory anyway right like we we remember things badly we remember things out of sequence we remember things that other people do not remember you know yeah memory is always such kind of a fuckery just in and of itself I guess right like it's always kind of hard you know all of the time like I'll be like oh yeah no this happened then and somebody's like that happened like three years after that what are you talking about so I feel like that time displacement kind of it feels sci-fi even though it's not you know I think a lot of sci-fi movies have kind of made good use of that but it's not necessarily sci-fi it's just kind of how things are like you remember things out of sequence and so yeah was it was there any kind of uh thought to that I guess whenever you were putting the stories in order uh 
Man. <laughs> yeah, when I was putting the stories in order, um, I, I did it at the last minute. Um, after all the stories were done, because um, once Avery Hill um, signed me on, uh, they were like, so how are you going to put this together? And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. What do you, what do you think I should do? <laughs> and and uh, Ricky Miller, who's the uh, publisher, and he was my editor as well. He's just like, well, just keep doing what you're doing, and uh, we'll figure it out at the end. How's that? And I'm like, all right, that sounds perfect. So that's what exactly what I did. I just kept going and going and just creating as you know many um, short stories as possible. And at the end. Or toward the end, I, you know, I asked him, I'm like, well, well, I have a few more stories I want to work on here or like what, here's, here are the synopsis of what they're about and whatever. And he's like, oh, these are great, you know, he's like, but I really want to, I think you should do a story on like, why comics? Like, why do you like comics? I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, and I worked on that story, which ended up being the last story I worked on. And it ended up being the last story in the book. Um, once I worked on that one, I was like, oh, I know what to do. Like, I know I knew as I was working on it that it was going to be the last book or the last story. And um, and like since I knew the ending, everything else kind of fell in place. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Like you kind of have to pick like a wait point, right? Where you're like, okay, that's where the wait is. That's going to be the closing. And then it helps kind of more like a puzzle or something. Yeah, absolutely. So it, you know, thank you, Ricky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like he really, he really, really like um, helped me figure it out. Just with that suggestion, like, yeah, why comics? That sounds interesting. <laughs> everybody earlier today i made myself a sandwich and i thought to myself if i could rate and review this sandwich i would give it five stars and <laughs> i would say this sandwich is so incredible is best sandwich i've had literally in days and it was everything i wanted it to be and that would be a positive review that would help me see what audience responses were to my sandwich and you know it would just be really a helpful system i wonder if there's another situation where rating and reviewing would come in handy oh huh oh my god no what? you could rate and review this podcast and then that helps us find our audience and it helps us find whatever we've lost it helps us find what we've lost <laughs> helps us find our socks <laughs> our keys our <laughs> cell phone people don't talk about it enough when you rate and review it really changes someone's life <laughs> yeah it's gonna change my life that's for sure and we like to read the reviews you know the ones that are positive that say soothing and nice things <laughs> five stars we'll give you five stars as a listener you give us five stars as a podcast five sandwiches <laughs> this podcast let's face it is five delicious sandwiches I wanted to talk a little bit, too, because we've kind of skirted around it as like, yeah, there's like a lot of trauma in this book. You know, there's also, I think, a lot of learning to function with trauma, right? Like there's a lot of the process of like, OK, like these things happened and like, here's me. And it's like, 
you know, I think that there is that pressure when you go through traumatic things. There's like kind of a sense of pressure that people will put on you of just being like, and now do a positive spin on it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's really just not how life works. It's like, um, one of those things where it's like, you can't always do that, but like there's, you can say, well, it changed me and I am this now, you know, and uh, I learned this. It doesn't necessarily mean that it was like worth going through all this bullshit. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But it's like you, you, at a certain point, there's no way for you to go backward anymore. Right. Like you can't go back. Like there's, there's that like, oh, well, what would you have done differently? It doesn't matter (laughs) really. Right. Yeah. Like what could I have done? You know, like we have these, um, lives where we can't see the future you know we we don't know what's to come so yeah it's really hard to I don't I don't usually try to go backward right and be like oh this could have been different if I would have only done this or something yeah but there's something about this story too where it's like as you say like we have these kind of four page clips there is a, a strong narrative like you learn you know, kind of what you went through in your life, like in your early life and like, you know, the relationships that defined a lot of these experiences for you, I think take a really strong, you know, standpoint. Like we, we know the um, trajectory of the story, right? But it is interesting to me that it's like, not only do we get this kind of like solid trajectory of like, this is what my memories are and I'm going to take you through them kind of step by step. But then there is still that kind of like, the way that I think of it is like you're talking about displacement a lot in this. Like you're talking about, you know, not necessarily feeling at home with family members, like, you know, being like left or forgotten, you know, and then also kind of like being moved like against your choice. <laughs> like you are kind of made to move and that those feelings of displacement and then like the format that's chosen, I think really kind of interplay with each other in this way that makes this book truly unique. Like it's something that you know, kind of blew my mind while I was reading it. So I was just curious if you had any, any commentary, I guess, on like kind of how like the displacement and then like the format and the structure all kind of like, you know, interplay with each other. Yeah. So one thing I remember concentrating on once uh, Avery Hill, uh, the publisher for it was I'm like, okay, well now there's an audience and I, I, you know, from there, then on, like I, I worked on these stories um, uh, and making sure that they were relatable. Um, I didn't want I didn't want my stories to come off as um, oh this happened to her and I I'm over here. I wanted to make sure that if you read it, you understood exactly what I was feeling because you felt similar things too. So mm-hmm. you know, even if you weren't in the same situation. I wanted to paint the picture of like, well, you've been in similar situations or you've known a similar situation and you remember that feeling. So I wanted to tap into that. I remember thinking that as I was going along, um, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super interesting because I did also want to talk about how kind of there's entire segments that aren't about you really at all. Like they're about your reaction to something, but you kind of hand the mic over Mm -hmm. like pretty regularly. And so I was thinking about that because some of these stories, it's like you're dealing with someone else's trauma or there's like a very like, you know, very heavy hitting segment that uh, is is explicitly about somebody that you don't know at all. Like you're talking, it's like the, 
through the filter of the person that is talking to you. And like, this is somebody who did something that like now something horrible happened to this third party. And like, how do you even feel about that? Right. Like it's a very, very odd thing. And then also, you know, there's like the roommate who's um, pro-life, but then goes and has an abortion. And like, to me, there's like this kind of layer of we, yeah, I haven't had the same experiences as you, but you look at it and you kind of are looking at other people's trauma as well in this book. Like, it's not necessarily just like, this is, you know, such a me thing. It's like very much a lot of the other things that have inspired, you know, kind of um, the same feelings, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. It does. (laughs) Absolutely. I, you know, I, I always believe that, you know, feelings are uh, um, universal. You know, we all have feelings and without feelings, we wouldn't be human. When I came to the States, like everybody wanted to make sure that, that I knew I was Japanese. And I'm like, no, I, I know. So, you know, it's, it's fine. And I, you know, I always felt like I was like, oh, you see me as the other, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just a person. Like I'm not walking around thinking in my head, like I'm Japanese. Right. I'm Japanese. <laughs> I'm Japanese. I'm Japanese. I'm seeing the world through my Japanese eyes. And I'm like, I just don't think like like that. I'm like, I see the world through my eyes, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I just wanted to, like, break that barrier of, like, okay, so, so I, I, you know, you pick up this book and it's about uh, a Japanese woman um, from, you know, from Japan and she's, she, she immigrated to, to America and all this stuff, like, and... You know, if if you think to yourself like, well, there's no way I can relate to this. And I wanted to break that barrier. I, I wanted somebody to be like, oh, I totally get what she's talking about, even though I'm <laughs> right. not Japanese and I, I'm not an immigrant. And, you know, I totally understand. Like, that's what I really, really wanted uh, uh, from this book. I think you you succeeded very well with that, because I was thinking, too, like, I um I had a dad who was a compulsive liar and like the way that you kind of talk about your mom in this where you're like I have no idea what was real kind of yeah I okay. was like that is like very exactly how that is oh <laughs> where, there you go like yeah, yeah, yeah. years years go on and you kind of are just like wait a second did was that even true like there's things you know whenever you're a kid like your parents tell you these things and this is something I think is very much in this book where you know, people tell you these things that really mess with you because you're just like, wait, isn't there like another part to this or something? Like, can we go back to what you just said? It's like people will say very matter of fact things about life. Like somebody will be like, you know, whatever, life isn't fair or something. You're like, why isn't life fair? (laughs) Can we go back to that? Like, I mean, you know, like I would love to, um, I think that maybe we should workshop it, right? Like maybe we could make it fair, (laughs) but it's like, there's, there's things like that in your childhood. Right. And I think that there was a few moments in this book where you were just like, but isn't it like this instead? You know, (laughs) like I heard this, you know, and like, you know, or I'm feeling this and I, you know, there's, there's kind of this idea of, you know, you, ne- you never totally know what's going on with other people, right? Exactly. Uh, so much so that, like, for a while, uh, my husband thought, he's like, well, you, you know, maybe maybe we should do, like, a um, maternal DNA test because <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if she's your mom. Right. And uh, there was 
a lot of things that kind of fell into place that made me go, you know, I think, I think you may be right. <laughs> and, uh, we went to Minnesota and we got our, um, hair and, uh, we tried, uh, getting a DNA test and, uh, the, the place was like, yeah, we don't, we don't do that. We, we, we have to do it with permission. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like trying to go on a mission over here and be secret but sadly yeah you can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything you might shop while working eating or even listening to this podcast and however you shop we all know and love the thrill of the hunt but do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals because Rakuten shoppers do with Rakuten they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back and you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, it's just odd, I think. Yeah, that's it's that's a very unique experience. However, you know, as you were pointing out, like feeling abandoned and like emotionally abandoned by your parent, you know, isn't mm -hmm. necessarily right. right. So yeah, I wanted to say too, like just very specifically that I appreciated the way that, you know, it's like kind of an, it's almost like an open thing where you're just kind of like, this is what I went through. And in that way, it is very individualistic. Like, you know, this is my life. Mm -hmm. But there is also that sense of just kind of like, yeah, I mean, at least like it, you make it very easy to empathize with, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, yeah, I was definitely going for that. I, I just think we as a society, we're emotionally stunted. For the most yeah. part, you know, we see, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, we see strength in people who don't show emotion and don't cry and all of those things. And I'm like, I think showing vulnerability and like being able to cry in front of somebody um, is actually it takes a lot. Mm -hmm. You're you know, it takes strength. Yeah. And it's just unhealthy to just hold all that in and pretend that life is OK. <laughs> yeah. Life is okay. Life is actually kind of cool, but mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes it can, it'll kind of kick you in the ass sometimes, right? And that's, it's okay yeah. to admit that too. So, yeah, I think so too. There was something that I was thinking about whenever you were just saying that was, is that I used to be like a no cry person, like throughout my whole 20s. I had a traumatic life too, you know, it's mm -hmm. just a weird thing to have like your, 20s go by and you're just like I never cry and now it's like literally I cry 
at everything. Like I, I watch like the stupidest movies and I will cry. Like I cry. Captain America has heroic music playing behind him. I cry like, you know, things that like, I don't even know if it's necessarily that moving. It's just that like the music cues up and I'm like, Oh, time for a cry. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. And it's just like, do you, it's like, I am such a better person now than I was in my twenties. And I don't know quite what the correlation is, but I do think that there's no part where you're just like, it was cool that my mom did this or something yeah. like you. You're not really absolving somebody, but in a way you are absolving yourself, right? Because you're just like, look, I have, I have responsibility in my life too, you know, but also like at a certain point, it's okay for me to feel like you kind of sucked, right? Like it's yeah. okay for me to feel bad about that because it sucked. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I describe my mom as like a, like, you know, she's not a bad person. And uh, I think she's actually, she's probably gone through so much more trauma than maybe even sure. I have, you know, and I just don't know any, any of it. And, um, you know, but it doesn't excuse the fact that she was a absent mother, you know, uh, neglectful, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make her a bad person. She was just like, not the mother I needed. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely get that kind of in the way where you have these experience where you're just like, yeah, I guess I'm not too good at like holding grudges against people and things like that because I'm always just like, well, if they cross too many lines, like you should like kind of try to get away from them if you can. Right. And that was kind of how I felt, you know, it's like that. But in some ways, that's like me taking way too much responsibility over a situation. But it's also like in a way, I just don't really want to hate anybody. So it's like nice to kind of be like, this is not working for me. (laughs) Like I should leave the situation, you know, or something like that. Like I am estranged from my mom. And the way that that kind of manifests is like, I'm never mad at her really. Right. Like I'll have moments where I'm just like, what the (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You think about like your childhood or something and you're like, what was that? And then you're just like, you know, (laughs) yeah. And then it's just also like you kind of, just it's easier to forgive people sometimes whenever you're just like okay I'm just gonna like put that to rest in my own self and like we can talk about it but you know there is kind of a catharsis I think that comes from that and I don't know if you agree that's just kind of me talking no I I do agree absolutely um it just it just comes from um acceptance I think you know Mm -hmm. like like, um, my mom and your mom and you're lying down. <laughs> they're, they're, they're people and they have their own, you know, lives to live and mistakes to make and happiness and all that stuff. Right. And the uh, horrible things that happened to them that like you can't understand and the way right. that they tried to be different from their parents. Like, yeah, yeah there's it, it is. I don't want to say that it's a cycle because like it's something where you definitely I feel like, you know, it sounds like you have kind of gone your own direction you know and that's what's important that's what I think people when we say acceptance it's it's never like you know everything's fine now or something but but it's like you know I have to live my life in a way that doesn't kill me right (laughs) like I have to live my life in a way that where I can still experience joy and I can still you know enjoy my work and be proud of my accomplishments exactly yeah like uh you know um like I said she uh, my mother is a I accept who she is yeah and I accept that I'm not the best person I want to be when I'm around her so Mm. I I choose to um have 
limited no, limited contact <laughs> yes thank you limited yeah. contact it's not like we we never talk but it's sure. very limited um and but that's by design it's not because i hate her or whatever i just know that like uh my like i i don't have patience with her um mm-hmm. and i you know old wounds would would rise and all those things i'm just not the best person i want to be and yeah. uh you know maybe that'll change some uh in in the future who knows but for right now this is where where i need to be Yes. And the idea too of like, there is so much when we're talking about like parents or like even any adult figure, right? You kind of don't know them that well. Like it's such a weird thing, right? Like I don't feel like I actually know my mom that well. Like what was she going through? Right. No idea. Or what did she go through before you were even born? I know. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I feel the same way. Like I don't really know what happened. Yeah, you know, um, that made her the way she was as a, as a mother. I don't know, and I, and I definitely felt that way about my dad too. Like after he passed, I was like, oh my god, I don't know enough. Like I want to know more. I wish I knew mm-hmm. more. You know, yeah. We just don't know people. Well, especially family. You know, we just take for granted that we think we know because they're in our lives like a lot, right? But maybe we don't. I don't know. I think that that does come through in this where there aren't a lot of definitive statements on people, right? Like it's kind of this lack of resolution, but I think that that's true to life. Like, you know, there's no point where you're just like, and conclusion (laughs) or something, right? Because it's very open-ended because you're still living your life. And I think that that's such an interesting kind of note to this because I I do notice that even with autobios people really want that ending right yeah. like they want the satisfactory ending and they want to close the book and walk away think about it you know but have it be concluded in a way yeah and definitely. uh you know I didn't really feel that with this one and I I appreciated that I didn't feel that way because I don't see why you would have to even put that in you know it's like we don't we shouldn't have to put things in like a neat little bow right like a lot of this stuff is super open open open-ended especially ones where you're like I don't know what happened to that girl or something Mm -hmm. and it's just like we have that all of the time in life the bad guys do horrible things and they don't get punished Mm -hmm. like there's no way that you can even think of like what a good punishment would be you know like for something like, oh, you neglected me as a kid. Like, what do you punish somebody with that? You know, it's like they they would have to be their own punishment in a way, right? Yeah. And it's very, it's so to me, I thought that there was just this open-ended nature to this, these stories where you're like, you know, telling things that in some ways it's like, yes, that happened in the past, but it does still feel like kind of an ongoing narrative that you're having with yourself. And I was just curious if you had any thoughts about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, with the very last story comics, I felt like it was, was it did have kind of a ending feeling like a conclusion mm-hmm. but not really but right, y- right? like yeah uh, but uh, at the same time it was probably the the one with the most where it touched kind of a an ending um <laughs> so uh but yeah no you you're right um like i don't want an ending because that means that um there's no life to be lived anymore so right you know, life is about living and learning and like, you know, there's no resolution to anything because that's the definition of life. It just keeps going. 
It just keeps coming. (laughs) And you always, I feel like I have felt like I was, maybe this is like the millennial problem. I'm like a geriatric millennial, like at the very end of millennial. And I was just like kind of cracking up about how like pretty much everybody in my friend group, we all are like, I'm 100 years old. You know, it's like we're not, I didn't even turn 40 yet. And then I was thinking about how I always felt that way. <laughs> like I was like 10, I'd be like another day, another dollar, <laughs> like whatever. It's like by the time I actually, if I make it, you know, if I'm lucky enough to live like 100 years or 80 years or something, I'm like, how old are you going to feel? Because like, you know, you're 39 right now and you feel like you're like 150. So, you yeah, know. <laughs> I know. Uh, but man, uh, yeah, I'm I'm working on living until like maybe I'm like, 546 yes. but we'll see we'll see if I'm going to be successful or not so you are going to be tuned. the one who makes it Taki like <laughs> it is going to be you okay uh, um <laughs> but I want to figure it out for all of us not just me yes I thought about that too and you're just like oh because it already is kind of like lonely to hit middle age like a lot of the people who you talked to back in the day like you don't talk to anymore And then you have like the people who are so close to you that you're like, oh, no, I've like kept you for so long, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is kind of an interesting thought to be like, oh, living forever. How would that work out? I think about it all the time. (laughs) I would adopt pets probably like forever. Like I think I would just continually be adopting pets. Yeah, Um, I think so, too. I mean, (laughs) it would be it's 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 going to be traumatic because their lifespan is short so short yeah Yeah. and that's something that we have to deal with already that was something I wanted to talk about too because you know the role that pets played in your life I think are is a huge theme in this and I did want to talk about that I very recently lost one of my pets I had a rabbit named Heather and I loved her of course more than anything like absolutely wrapped around her little paw (laughs) I have a I have other pets, so I'm good. Like, there's a lot of people to take care of in this house. But but it was still just so hard. And I was like, there's something about this that, like, you can't – it's like you – she was with me during this time, this time, and this time, right? Yeah. And, like, you can't divorce those times from being with that pet. Right. And I was thinking just about how kind of interesting that is and how – tangible it is in this comic like you have stories very specifically dedicated to your pets but you also give them kind of their own space to live like you talk a little bit about like how hard it was to have a you know chronically ill cat which like I've had uh, one of my cats is chronically ill as well and it's one of those things where you're just like this cat was like really kind of had it against it, you know, had it against them to begin with. Like yeah. in the very beginning, they were already had like the the deck stacked against them. Yeah. And, um, you know, so we got to have this like beautiful time together. And uh, yeah, I just I thought it was really beautiful. I think that like the role of pets can get kind of um, overshadowed in like a memoir or something like that. You know, people don't always give them the space that they deserve. So I was glad to see it, I guess. Yeah, I, you know, pets, you know, I, I, I always believe that pet uh, animals, uh, period, uh, they're innocent from the day they're born until they die. You know, uh, unlike humans, where you know we're born innocent, but <laughs> ooh, some, some of us can be assholes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Pet, you know, animals 
don't have that. They don't, they don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just innocent and they're pure. So, um, to have them in your life is, is precious. And I think it teaches us, um, compassion and, um, lets us watch, uh, pureness on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that definitely because I, I I mean, I have like both cats and rabbits, but there's moments where I'll have to think and just be like, I, I go about my day to day and I have my own life and all of this and I'll get carried away with like my struggles and things like that or like, you know, past trauma or something or you're worried about the future, whatever it is. But then you think, I am, like, this pet's entire world. Like, you, like, look up and you just, like, look at your cat all of a sudden and you're like, it's just me for you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, <laughs> like, you have this house around you and you have your own, you know, you love your treats. You know, you love to play and, like, all of this. Yeah. But it's like, you don't, I'm it. You're like, I am your whole universe. Yeah. And what a wild responsibility to have. And that I think too is why it's so heartbreaking anytime they have hardship because like it is such a responsibility and how could you not take that so seriously, right? It's like I, you feel like so responsible for a pet or I do. I know not everybody does, but I do. Yeah. And like there's something extra heartbreaking about that because it's like you do want to save them, but it's like there is that recognition of you know, I have indoor cats, like they hang out with me all day. I work from home, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, we are so much a part of each other's day to day that it's like, you know, I might be able to like go out and go to the grocery store or something like that. But you know, they can't. So, you know, it's just kind of the me show for them, (laughs) like all of the time. And I was just thinking, too, that, like, you know, it really is reversed, though, because anywhere I am, I'm thinking about my pets, right? Yeah. Like, did I make sure I fed them? Like, did I make sure this? Did I make sure that? Like, are they going to be okay? I probably should be getting going, you know, like, I got to get out of here to check on my cats. Yeah. Um. You know, it really changed my life to get a cat because I feel like I was going to shows and parties and having a lot of social interactions. And then at a certain point, like I got my cat, I was like, things won't change that much. And then it's like, oh yeah, it did. Like I like never leave my house now. <laughs> Pandemic has something to do with it, but sure. it it definitely is like the minute, like my first, like my first adulthood cat came into my life. It was like, I'm just going to be with you now all of the time. Yeah. So it kind of goes both ways. And I was just kind of wondering about that because it, I, there was such a care to your pets in this. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, uh, they are pure and they're innocent. And we're so lucky to um, have them share their entire life, like their entire life with I know. with us, you know. And uh, especially my my last cat, Xander, um, that I talk about in the book. Um, he was chronically sick. Like a dude, like seriously, like let me have a break. Yeah. He was so sick all the time. And um, you know, my friend called him uh champagne of cats because <laughs> boy, he's expensive. Um <laughs> yeah. I just had one of those. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. And yeah. um, but because we took care of each other so much. He took care of me by being there for me in time of need and me like, you know, taking care of him, making sure he's healthy as much as possible. 
you know, the journey together was, it was hard and beautiful. So when he had to leave, oh my God, it was too much. Yeah. You know, but, um, so we ended up getting a, a new cat, like the following day. I was mm-hmm. like, I was looking around and I'm like, you know, I have a dog, so maybe that's good enough. And I'm like, you know, but I, 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 I need another life in here. It's just, I, mm-hmm. need, I need another one. And now we have this, um, really healthy cat, um, after Xander. And it's kind of, it's baffling to me that I'm like, do you, <laughs> like, you had your animal and you're fine. Like nothing is what's what, what, what's <laughs> happening. I, like he's so healthy. I'm just like, all right, this is cool. Maybe uh, we'll, we'll get like 22 years out of him or something. Yeah. But yeah, it is. It is interesting. Like I said, I had one very similar, like my rabbit Heather had to go to the vet so many times in 2022. And like, I think I know what you mean, because it's like when you do lose that, it's like my whole year was just taking care of this rabbit. Right. Yeah. So like that almost makes it impossible. Like once again, it's just something that changes you. You just have to like live this new reality, basically. Like you can't really imagine what things were like before because like that love did change you and yeah. like made you kind of better you know I think I feel like I was I got better like I became a better person because that rabbit was in my life um but it is like that where to me I was like I have to just keep taking care like there's other pets so I have to t- care for them and that was how because people are like, well, you know, you can't like replace them or something. It's like, well, I, I didn't, I don't have other pets to like replace her. I have another pet because I am, they need homes and I'm taking care of something. And that keeps me going, right? Yeah. Is like just being like, you know, I can, I have to get up and feed them. I can't just stay in bed and cry all day because, you know, this happened or something. Like I can cry, I can stay in bed, yeah. but I have to at least at one point get up and feed the other pets. Um, yeah. And in that way, it's like, it's healing to have them, you know, to kind of continue it, like to continue the relationship. It doesn't make you forget them oh, at of course all. Not. No, it's, it's never a replacement. I don't think anybody who uh, gets another pet right after they lose one i don't think it's about replacing right so much as um you want to place that love that you had onto something else you right. know um you know, like you 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 just you have love to give so why not a living one yeah and there's all of these like pets that need homes all of the time so yeah I thought about that a lot. Like, yeah, my pets are all rescues. So they were all definitely ones that were in a rough place. And, you know, it makes you feel kind of good, I guess, to be like, cool. Like, we're cool. Yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm never going to leave you. I'm like, just going to like always have you here. You know, like things might change. Things might be hard, you know, or whatever. But you just you're like, once you commit to something, it just makes life easier. Kind of like I'm just. Well, they're family. Yeah. Basically, 100%. that's what it comes down to. They, you know, you, you go and you, you you find yourself family and you're like, okay, we're, we're family now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like they they need you too. And you're just like, okay, cool. Like we can, we can work together. Yeah. This is, this is a good symbiotic relationship. This is good. This is family. Yeah. yeah. No, pets are incredible. I mean, I'm yeah, like, like you were saying, like I'm a better person for having pets. Um, and having, you know, and like the responsibility of taking care of pets is like, really? It's like, 
not that bad, you know? Right. Yeah. Like I have to take them somewhere if they're sick, yeah. you know, I have to budget for them. But yeah, it's not, it's not hard. Yeah. I mean, it's, it can be hard whenever sure. it gets rough, but yeah. it's also like, no, for what you get. Yeah, it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. Yeah, I had friends whenever I first adopted, like I have, like, I have way too many pets now, but <laughs> whenever I adopted my first pet, like people were just kind of like, oh, but you're like unstable. So why would you get a cat? And it's like, <laughs> I'm unstable, but like this cat will never be unstable. Like this cat will always have a place to live and like I will always be taking care of it. You know, mm-hmm. like even if I have to move, I'm going to be with her. Like I'm going to be with her every step of the way. Like that level of commitment is almost like, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't always be able to get that from any other owner, right? Like owners can be really inconsistent. So yeah. I'm just like, yeah, sure, my life is like kind of a wreck, but like also like trust me, the level of dedication that I have for this pet is like something that is unheard of in your world. Like I will take <laughs> care of beautiful. this pet forever. I love that. It's just like at a certain point, you just, yeah, I don't know. It's like you decide to love something and you're like, well, all I have to do is love this creature. Like that's kind of makes it easy in a way. Oh, yeah. Um, and thank you for talking to me about this. Like I like I have been processing a lot of feelings about pets pretty much like, I don't know, since I started, <laughs> since I got my first one, I guess. But mm-hmm. I've been processing a lot like kind of over the last month because like I said, I just lost my rabbit. But it's also this thing of you know, every moment, like, you just think about it forever. Like, you're just, like, being with this rabbit just, like, absolutely changed things. So it was, like, such a game changer. Like, they make me more patient. They make me more, you know, happy. Like, sometimes I'll be having a terrible day, and I just look up, and, like, there's a rabbit just sitting there, like, staring at me. And Hmm. I'm just like, this is hilarious. Like, you're so cute, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for for (laughs) going through this. I know talking about pets is, like, kind of rough sometimes, but it's also, like, there is something just so beautiful about having them. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And I love everyone's pets, too. I wish they were mine. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I think about it all of the time. I'm like, could I get some more pets in here? And it's like, you can't. You're like, you are full up on pets, lady. Like, you (laughs) cannot. You have to. to So I have three cats and I have four, four rabbits. So my house is packed, like, with pets. Wow. Um, Where do you sleep? (laughs) They all, the cats use me as a mattress. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) Like, uh, they'll all be asleep. And they, they also don't always love each other like sometimes they they all want to be dedicated to being my only cat right sure so they'll all be facing different directions and refusing to acknowledge each other but like on my body there's just not a lot of space on my body so you're just like hilarious they use me just as a uh trampoline they you know it's like that but um and then the rabbits sleep in their hutch at night which is actually really nice like they kind of run around during the day and like we kind of I let them have their run of the apartment during the day but at night they go into their hutch and they've been they need it because around 9 30 they start to get like wild wild, (laughs) or they're just like it's it's like bedtime and they you can tell it's like little kids acting out or something like they just start going nuts and like running around in circles and stuff and I'm just like oh my god wow um one of them I found in a parking lot like that's (gasps) the thing is like there's rabbits get abandoned a lot so like I just once I adopted one people are just like oh yeah you like rabbits have this one (laughs) or something and I'm just like because people get them for people as, like, kids and stuff like that, right? So 
Um, And then kids like don't have, they're such a bad pet for kids because it's like they don't really interact with you that much if you're a kid. Like kids need this kind of uh, like obvious displays of affection, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas like a rabbit is like going to be kind of intimidated by you, a little scared. They don't like to be pet on all parts of their body. Some of them don't like to be pet at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you you interact with them and show affection to them differently than you would like a cat or a dog. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like just an interesting thing. Like a lot of kids will get them and then they're just like, my rabbit doesn't do anything. And it's like, well, yeah, but you leave it in like a tiny little cage like all day, yeah. you know, and it doesn't have anything to do, you know. Wow. So you're just like. So they're like, yeah, so Sarah can take care of it. (laughs) Yeah. Or they'll just like leave it in a parking lot. Like with Lilu, my rabbit, who I just like, I was walking to the grocery store and I just found this rabbit just like sitting in this parking lot. And I was asking around because it was an apartment complex. And I'm like, hey, whose rabbit was this? And they were like, oh, yeah, I don't think the people want her anymore. And I was like, okay. So I just like. Got, took her up in my arms. It was hard to get her, but because she was scared and starving, uh-huh. you know, having a hard time. She had like a Jeez. little tear on her neck because she was having a rough time. But um, yeah, it, like she trusted me, which is wonderful. And yeah, I just picked her up in my arms and carried her all the way back to my apartment because that was it. I was like trying to go to the grocery store, you know, trying to go on like a regular little walk or something. Wow. And I'm just like, all right, little baby. All right, let's go home. Right. Like, We're I guess family. I have another rabbit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's incredible. I know. It is kind of an incredible story, isn't it? Yeah. Like I people are like, oh my God, that's like sad. And it's like, well, it's actually really great because now she is doing really well. Aww. Like she has about like the best person to who could have, you know, happened across her. Like I don't know how much longer she would have lasted, right? So yeah. oh I was gosh. definitely like, what's that best friend? Yeah, <laughs> Ever since awesome. she's kind of just been my best friend. Um you know, among my several other best friends that I have just hanging out with me all of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Great. I guess we could get back to the comic. Um, so I love anytime somebody's like a pet, I have a question. I'm like, well, guess what? Buckle up because we're going to talk for about the next four hours about my pets. Um, Cause they all have a story. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> so that was kind of, I guess, what I wanted to go next is whenever you were doing this, um, you know, there's so much of this that you're kind of like working through memories and stuff. Was there something that surprised you while you were working on it? Like, was there something that came up in your mind where you were just like, right, I'm seeing it from a totally different angle? Or like, did anything click into place that you kind of like were struggling with, I guess? Um, n- n- not really. Um like I said, you know, everything was just like, you know, gut instinct. Mm-hmm. I guess the only thing that I really struggled with is like just deciding which stories to tell. Right. You know, um, there are quite a lot of stories that I think would have made a really fantastic read in the book, but I only omitted because I didn't want to hurt people. Right. You know, um, and like I couldn't figure out an angle where I could talk about it and and um hopefully keep their anonymity or their privacy uh intact i just didn't know how to do that um so i yeah so i had to omit those stories and uh those were very difficult decisions and you know i still don't know if they were the right decisions or not but Mm. you know at least they're not in the book so i don't have to worry about it (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. 
you're like, okay, well, they're gone and maybe they'll make a comeback later, but <laughs> we don't have to worry about it right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is an interesting thing, right? Because you do walk this very careful line, I feel like, where it's like, you know, nothing nothing too incriminating, I guess. Like, it's definitely like, this is how things went, you know, in these certain st- stories. But it's it's definitely something where, yeah, I can only imagine how hard that is to do auto-bio and be like, oh, yeah, there's, like, other people in my auto-bio. Yeah. I mean, I still even wonder about certain stories. I'm like, you know, I just... You just never know about like people's comfort, um, sure. about their privacy and whatever. And like some of the people's, uh, you know, identities were, um, changed or, you know, whatever in, in the book. Um, but I still wonder, I'm like, well, maybe they could tell just because, you know, they were in my life. And if they read yeah, they it, were and, there. <laughs> yeah, then they'll, they'll definitely know. And, uh, I don't know if they'd be very comfortable with it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they wouldn't be. And maybe they're very angry with me. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And you kind of just have to like, let it go at a certain point, right? Where you're just like, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I, you know, change like situations or like, uh, names or whatever, whatever I felt was, was too intrusive then I, I would change it. But um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> right. Seems like it kind of, it can get dicey and there's kind of no easy answer to it, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, for, for the most part, like the stuff that I, I talk about that's specifically about me, I felt really comfortable with. Because um, like anybody else could be like, well, that's not how it happened. I'd be like, well, of course that's how it happened. That's how I remember it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't think you can argue that. So, you know, I feel pretty confident in that regard. But yeah, I just, I just, I do worry about um other people's privacy and <clears throat> what they're comfortable with. Like I said, I just don't know. Totally. Yeah. And it's hard to know, right? And you can't necessarily be like, hey, is it cool if I like, <laughs> you know, like, it's not really something you can always send somebody an email about or something. No, because I'm not in, in contact with these people. Right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. I was thinking about that a little bit while I was kind of reading through. But also just in general, right? Like, it's just kind of the nature of autobio. I think you kind of have to walk that line. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask, too, uh, you know, was there something on this? Like, it, it, as we say, it's such a personal project. And you know, as much as you make it be this universal thing, like it is still very much you, what you had to say, Mm -hmm. what are you going to do next? I guess, because you have this, like this, uh, very like heavy personal work behind you. And I was, you work with like a lot of franchises and a lot of different creators, but for you, is there, is there a new thing that you want to do that you haven't had a chance to try yet? Or, you know, what do you have coming up? Well, I just recently um, finished um, writing, co-writing with um, another person for a um, anthology um, called Black Box. And I co-wrote with Mark Shea, and he's the first co-writer I worked with outside of my husband. So that was an interesting thing, and that should be coming out later this year. Um and I'm looking actively looking for a publisher for a graphic novel that I wrote, and my husband is drawing um, about Van Gogh. Oh um, wow! Okay. Yeah. So 
that's I mean I I, I guess uh, my part is done I'm I'm done writing it and uh, yeah I'm I'm kind of working on uh you know trying to figure out uh this um, graphic novel with somebody else um uh we're just kind of at the very very beginning stages of it just trying to figure out if we even should work together or not right and uh right now actively i'm you know coloring um brian michael bendis's and michael avon oming's new series um that hasn't been announced yet Ah, <laughs> I see. And, I see. Yeah. So, so that's coming out this year too. Um, yeah. And I just, I just keep toiling at a bunch of different projects that I want to do, whether I know it's going to be published or not. I, you know, kind of like what I did with Sleeping While Standing. I'm just like, I'm, I'm just going to make this because I want to. Mm hmm. That's probably the best way to do it. I was going to ask why why Van Gogh? What was compelling to you about Van Gogh's story? So this I mean, is other a, than the obvious, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah, this is a, well, it was based, like, the idea came from when I heard about this theory about how he died. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay. You know, everybody believes that he committed suicide by uh, shooting mm-hmm. himself. But there's a theory that maybe he was killed. Right. I heard this. Yeah. Right. So I was like, oh, my God, that's true. That would be magical because, you know, my father right. committed suicide. So I was like, man, I would love it if, if that was true. And it just kind of blossomed from there. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and I, um, the story came, up, came together pretty, pretty quickly, I think. And um, yeah, and uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it, it's about him and his brother and it's uh from the point of view of his brother. Oh, awesome. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Because as somebody, it's like one of those things where they had such a interesting relationship. I think that, you know, a lot of times like the family member of the artist kind of gets like not remembered, but it's one of those things where I have a brother who's kind of just been so present you know this whole time where it's like um he's the one who knows kind of if I'm like venting about something that I didn't like that day or something (laughs) he's the one who hears about it so out of anybody he probably has like a greater understanding of kind of like what I am as an artist without actually you know he doesn't engage with my art all that much he looks at it or reads it or whatever but He's not like an active fan or something. He's not like following me around reading everything I do. We mm-hmm. don't really have to do that, right? Yeah. But it's very interesting. Um, yeah, I always think about the family members or like kind of the people who are on the periphery and who play such a huge part in the story. Yeah. I mean, when I did some research, I mean, they were super tight. Yeah. To the point that like um, we know him, his name, Theo, mm-hmm. and we all know that like they had other siblings, but we only hear about Theo right. and Vincent. Um, and, you know, uh, and they passed away like like six months apart. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, and like, I really, really think that um, Theo's wife had a huge hand in uh, making sure that Van Gogh's um, art lived on, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but wow, what an interesting uh, art history that family has. 
Oh, yeah. And that happens. Oh, my God. History, right? What a mess. Every time I look up anything, I'm like, what? <laughs> that was connected to this? Like, you know, it's like you you look up anything, literally anything. And you're like, that's how it is with us, right? Like artists are really kind of this like sign of the times. But you look at this idea, too, of everything is connected to what's going on in the moment. So like, you're never going to be able to divorce us of this era, you know, like living through COVID, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, you know, even if we're not actively thinking about it in the moment, people will be like, oh yeah, they talked about COVID, like, you know, or something like that. Like it'll require hopefully an explainer in the future, you know, or something where people will be like, oh, COVID, was that like, you know, or something along those lines. And how we are with, like, the Spanish flu, right? Where we're just like, oh, Spanish flu, right. That was happening around this time. And, like, all this other stuff was going on. And then, like, you read about an artist of that era. And it's like that person lost, like, two of their siblings to that, you know, or something. Yeah. So it's, like, it's always wild just, like, kind of how the um, the web of history just kind of just keeps going, right? Yeah. It's it's crazy. It's, it's wild what, like... You know, you just do a little bit of digging. You're just like, that can't be right. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. This person's connected to that person? How's that? And then you're like, well, I guess they lived at the same place at the same time. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's incredible. It's fun. So, yeah. 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 History. Oh, fun and terrifying, <laughs> right? Like, you're like, both scary and fun and also nightmarish. <laughs> it's a lot a lot of different things. Just like today is, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's all of the things. Yeah, I um, agree. <laughs> Well, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for joining me. I ran out of questions, but I think that we went actually a little bit longer than I was expecting us to in all of the ways that I love. Like, I felt like it was a very organic conversation. I really enjoyed talking to you about this. Oh, same um, here. If people are trying to look you up, where would you like for them to find you? Um, I'm on the socials. Um, not often, but, you know, you can find me through there. I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, uh, and they're all um, at Takisoma. So, yeah, you can find me at those places. Yeah, and um, pick up this book. Like, this book is absolutely incredible. You know, pick up all of your work for sure, but I think that there's something very special about this as even if you look at it, you know, for me, I'm looking at it in like context of, you know, any other comics that were released at this time, or you're looking at it in context of autobio comics, or you're looking at it in context of, you know, any number of things. And I still just, it's such a unique piece of work that I just hope that everybody checks it out because it's just uh, kind of blew me away, honestly. I thought it was just a beautiful, beautiful comic. So I'm once again, I'm just so glad that it found its way to me. Thank you so much. I am incredible incredibly incredibly proud of what I did because like you know I I did it all yeah all all the all the mistakes and all the misspellings and everything (laughs) you know it was mine and mine to bear I guess so uh you know it is I I do take a lot of pride in that at least so yes please pick it up um you know and I hope that um you connect to it in in you know, uh, in a way that really touches you. <sighs> it did touch me. I was very, very moved reading this. And I'm honestly going to read it again. After I do interviews, like I have this new insight where I'm just like, you got to go back. Like <laughs> I read it like three times before this and I'm still just like, go back again. Like check it out and like kind of apply these new thoughts. I'm definitely going to like 
you know, think about some of the things that you said. Yeah. So. Well, thank you. Well, actually, if you're going to reread it, I want you to uh, really look at the first story, um, Adoption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like look at the gutters and all that stuff. Right. Because it's pets, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> See? So, yes. I was like thinking about that. And then like for some reason, there was no way for me to like broach that, I guess, like during the interview. But I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> I have I have things to ask. Maybe I'll maybe we'll just have to have you back on so that we can talk about it a little bit further. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I don't actually point it out and stuff. So like I don't I don't know if people really picked up on it, but yeah, I'm right. glad you did. I I noticed it and I was like, these are animals, this is like you're talking about adoption. Like this seems like there's a pretty strong thread between these two things, right? Yeah. So yeah, I didn't have to say anything, right? So yeah, that's yeah, good. I'm, I'm glad you noticed. I love that too, though, because I don't think I did notice it the first time I read it because I was like, oh, this will play into the story, you know, or something. And then it's like, oh, but it's so thematically important to this part that you, yeah, I don't know. You almost don't have to be like, also, check this out. I'm making commentary. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I'm I'm, I'm glad. And thank you so much for reading it. Like what, three times? Yeah, we're going to go four or five before the year is done. Trust me. Thank Um, you. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I mean, it was it was incredible. I'm all the better off for the experience. And I want to say thank you for even just, you know, as we were saying, being so like um, strong, I guess, because that's the thing, right? Is like it really does. You're talking about being emotional is the strong thing. And I think that it was very strong to put this out. I don't know if like... um, you know, I don't know that if there's always like a great benefit to being a strong person. <laughs> like it seems like the stronger you are, the more you have to put up with. And like strength comes from putting up with a lot of things. So I don't know what I don't know what the the actual ramifications of that are long term. But I want to say thank you, you know, for uh, for everything you did here for just putting this out. And I think it will uh, definitely resonate with a lot of people. Great. Thank you so much. That's very kind. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Bitches on Comics, distributed by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Find more shows like Bitches on Comics by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm. Thank you for listening to Bitches on Comics. We are a bi-weekly podcast where we talk to your favorite comics and pop culture creators and critics about what matters to them in comics and pop culture, as you might have guessed. You can follow us on Twitter at at BitchesOnComics and on Instagram at at BitchesOnComics. Our website is, brace yourself, BitchesOnComics.com. If you go there, you can listen to any of our episodes. And we've got other shit that we put on tabs. I don't remember what it is. I am in charge of updating the website, however, so good luck. (laughs) Thanks for the heads up. I'll go to this website now. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support the podcast by joining us on Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash queerspec to learn more. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor. You can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at se underscore Fleenor. I'm Monica Estrella Negra, 
And you can find me at www.audreysrevenge.com or on Twitter at Audrey Revenge. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.